Turn with me this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. First Chronicles chapter 28. And we're going to read together the first 10 verses. First Chronicles 28. Let's hear the word of the Lord. And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons, with the officers, and with the mighty men, and with all the valiant men unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren. And my people, as for me, I had in mine heart to build an house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and have made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and has shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever, for he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler, and of the house of Judah the house of my father, and among the sons of my father he liked me to make me king over all Israel, and of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons. He hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon, thy son, he shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever, if he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing 
this reading of the Holy Scriptures from 1 Chronicles chapter 28 this morning. Now, my text this morning is taken from 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and the verse 9. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee, but if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And my theme today in the first Lord's Day of 2020 is considering God's call to live for him in 2020. Now, these words were spoken by King David to his son, Prince Solomon. David is near the end of his life. He knows it's a time of great transition in the land of Judah. And David is preparing the way to hand over the reign and the rule of the kingdom to his young son Solomon. And he has gathered all the princes of Judah together. The heads of the families, the captains of the thousands, the hundreds and the fifties. All the mighty and valiant men have served David during his 40 year reign are there standing in his presence. And as he addresses the crowd, he personally issues a very striking and yet very solemn public charge to his son. And I have read that in verses 9 and 10 to you already. Now, as I thought of these words last week, I thought to myself, well, Lord, there's a good motto text for Carrie Duff. You see, the question was in my mind as we closed the year and entered a new year was, Lord, how best can we serve you in another year? It is the beginning of another year, isn't it? And our minds have turned to the passage of time. A tradition has taken place. One year has given way to another. Another decade is done. It's hard to imagine it's 20 years from the start of the third millennium. And naturally, our mind has thought of time. Naturally, our minds has thought of transition. And they've also turned to the prospects of the future. And as I think of the future, my future here, and our future together as part of the Lord's family, I have been thinking of the time that we have left to live for and serve God. And I was asking myself this question, Lord, how best can we serve you in 2020? What is your call for us to live for you this new year? To give unto us opportunities to spread the gospel. Opportunities to see the church of Christ revived and built up and strengthened. You see, this is an occasion to remember. None of us, of course, are getting any younger we're older now than last year. Life is swift and short. Job said, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And remember, even if we live to 80 or 90 years, a ripe old age, the Bible tells us it is soon cut off and we fly away. And David is well aware of his age. 
David, remember, is an old man. He's reigned, he says, for 40 years over Jerusalem. And in the land of Judah. And he knows that it's going to come to an end soon. And, and given the advancement of his years, he's thinking about a successor. And he's thinking, I'm going to publicly name Solomon as my successor. So there's no infighting among the family when I come to die. And as David addressed the crowd that day, he wants everyone to know that Solomon one day is going to be crowned king and that day is coming soon. And as he addresses the people, he mentions that the Lord had chose him out of all the um, sons of Jesse. Uh, he told them that he thought that he wanted to build a temple as a permanent house for the Lord. And then the Lord, remember, had told him that because he was a man of war and blood, that his son Solomon would build the house in his stead. And of course, what David did was he began to make great provision for the temple. He laid up much material, gold, silver, brass, wood, material that Solomon would eventually use to build the house of the Lord. And all that information was rehearsed that day in the presence of all that very solemn assembly. And then, as if deliberately, David turned his attention to young Solomon. He addressed him personally. He addressed him powerfully. You see, as an aged father, David has something to say to this young man. Because this young man, remember, is his son. So this is really an address from a father to a son. And he lays before that son a very poignant, final charge. We could really say this was great advice from the lips of an aged father to a son. It was a charge to go on and to keep on following on to know the Lord. It was a charge about sacrifice and service. See, David knew it was his responsibility to teach and counsel his son about knowing and enjoying a personal relationship with the Lord. And that was his greatest concern for the kingdom. That Solomon would know the God of his father. That Solomon would serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. And he reminded Solomon, here's the reason for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. And he said to him, if thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. And then he issued the warning. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. And last week as I read these words, as you know, I struggled with a motto text. And, and I, I, I don't normally struggle with a motto text. And I, I, I don't say that with any sense of pride or, or, or glee. I, I usually have the motto text about the middle of December. But this year, I, I only got it at the middle of the week. And the minute I read the words, because remember I was praying, Lord, how best can we serve you in 2020? How can I serve you? And I thought straight away, well, Lord, that's a good motto text for our church. Here's the best and the only way to live for the Lord in 2020. Now, notice what's involved. Remember, this is God's call to live for him in the new year. There, there's four things here. I, I'll, I'll try to be brief. There's a call to salvation. That's what's involved. Look at the words. And thou, Solomon, my son... Know thou the God of thy father. What does that mean? 
Know thou the God of thy father. Well, it involves a, a personal knowledge of God. To know God in a deep, intimate, personal way. Now, now think of this. Here's a father speaking to his son. And he has the greatest concern in his heart and life that his son would know the God of his father. I believe those words are very significant. I believe they're very poignant. Remember, before we can serve the Lord in any capacity, we must know him. That's true for the ministers of the pulpit. It's true for the elders. It's true for the deacons. It's true for the Sunday school teachers and the youth workers. It's it's true for you as an individual because you're not going to be able to serve the Lord in home and in work or school or university until you know him and know him in a personal way, in a deeply personal way. Do we not live in an age when many are ignorant of God? Ignorant of who he is, ignorant of what he's like, ignorant of what he's done as creator and redeemer. Say, I believe that ignorance of God is one of the great mysteries in this world. Remember Mr. Miserable in Mr. Miserable Land. Why are people in great misery? Because they're ignorant of God. Men and women living in a deep state of unhappiness. A state of depression. And part of the reason for that is a lack of the knowledge of God. Think of men living in a state of the greatest misery on earth. A state of unhappiness and unfulfillment, of deep dissatisfaction with life. Not only in this life is that misery felt, but it's going to be felt in the great eternity when they're separated from God forever and ever. Do we not live in a world of godless men and women? Psalm 14 verse 1, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. You think the seat morning of the atheistic fool. Think of the rebellious fool. Men living like a, a brute beast before God. No awareness of him. No, no consciousness of him. No personal knowledge of him. Remember Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey him? You see, whenever I think about the knowledge that men have, the 21st century is very, very knowledgeable, isn't it? You think of the advancements in medicine and advancements in technology. Think of the advancement in music and education and all sorts of knowledge. But the greatest knowledge of all young people is the knowledge of God. A personal, deep, intimate knowledge of him as the true and the living God. As a God who is absolutely sovereign. As a God who is everlasting and transcendent and all-powerful and all-seeing and all-knowing. A God who is overall a, a good God. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I want to ask the question, do you know him this morning? I didn't ask you, did you know about him? But do you know him? And there's a vast difference. And I believe this is a great privilege. This is a a most blessed truth. Remember what the the Lord Jesus 
said in John 17, as he crossed the brook Kidron with his disciples, he said this, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So I asked the question, is this true of you? Is the Lord God a reality to you? Do you know something of his presence with you in the journey of life? Do you know that he has a plan and purpose for you? Do you know something of his perfections, that you're in awe of this God? Do you know something of his power at work in your life? Remember the psalmist was able to say in uh, Psalm 86, and he says this, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. You see, this is far beyond the mere speculative knowledge of him. That this knowledge of him is objective. It brings us into a saving, personal, covenant relationship with him. And here's Solomon. And he's being addressed by his father. And Solomon is a covenant child. And here's the father addressing him. And what's he saying? Son, know thou the God of thy father. That is, know him in a deeper, intimate, greater, wonderful way. The Bible says, they that know thy name put their trust in thee. And the name of God demands comprehension. You see, this, this knowledge brings us to him. We bow the knee to him. Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I, I, I want to be thine. Lord, save me. Lord, I can't live without you. Lord, I, I want to know you in a deeper and a greater and a better way. Here's the call to salvation. But also, it's a practical knowledge of God. See, this knowledge of God must impact upon us. It must change us. It must transforms us. It grips the heart and the soul. A, a knowledge that changes emptiness to fullness. From a, a, a knowledge that changes us from a state of unbelief to a state of faith. A, a knowledge that changes us from being unhappy people and miserable in this world to discovering the source and knowing the supply and enjoying the secret of true happiness. You see, this knowledge makes a difference in our lives. The Bible tells they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And this changes us from a state of being weak to knowing the strength of the Lord. As I've said, this is not only deeply personal, but this is wonderfully practical. This is a, an experimental, deep, intimate knowledge where we have a taste for God, where we have a feel for God. Remember the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And, and this knowledge of God increases as we grow in grace and in the knowledge of him. Remember the text above the door as you come in is, be still and know that I am God. This is a, a special, sweet, intimate knowledge. I've already told you God is called in the Bible, the blessed God, only once. 1 Timothy 1 and 11. See, every conceivable blessing is in his hand. And we can know and enjoy and experience these blessings. 
Because the God of our salvation is a God to be enjoyed as well as a God to be experienced. And there's a deep and a fuller and a greater way of knowing God. So, so let's not be content with just a shallow knowledge of him. Know the God of thy fathers. See, David was saying to Solomon, he's my strength, he's my song, he's my salvation, he's my succor in time of need. And he can be yours too, Solomon. You have a duty and responsibility on life's journey to know him. Why are we here? I was saying this to a dear lady earlier in the week. And um, I said, you know, God has given us a birthday. And that's wonderful. And God has given us an end day. And, of course, we don't know when that will be. But in between, we have life's journey. And what's our goal and purpose? Well, our goal and purpose is to know him, to, to know God. If we could take the thought into our mind, my greatest duty and responsibility in life's journey is to know God. So we ask ourselves, do I know him? You see, we can't begin to glorify and enjoy him till we, till we come to know him. So I, I ask again, do you know him personally? Many don't have a clue who God is. You can thank the Lord to come to the house of God, to hear the word of God, to learn the knowledge of God. You can know him practically. This is not a call to be involved just in an organized church. This is not a call just to dress right, like, like Solomon would have dressed right as the prince in the throne, and people saying, because he's the prince, he knows God. No, no, this is a practical thing. And you can know him pleasantly. You can have the knowledge of God, even in a state of trouble and pressure that comes into your life. It grips your heart. You fellowship with the blessed God. It involves a call to salvation. Now, I could expand that out, but I'll not. If you fathers want to give advice to your children, then you could advise them this way. Know the God of thy father. It involves a call to service. Notice what it says in the text. And serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Here's the duty and responsibility, Solomon, that you have to serve the Lord. This is what I want you to do, serve the Lord. And this is what I, the way I want you to do it. I want you to do it with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Remember David? He served his own generation well. Acts 13, 36. And one way that David had of serving the Lord was just to remember his duty and responsibility to his own family. Remember, this is a father speaking to his son. And David wanted Solomon not just to know the Lord, but to serve the Lord. And to serve the Lord in such a way that would bring profit and benefit to himself, but profit and benefit to his family. And profit and benefit then that would spill out into the neighborhood, among friends, and even the stranger, uh, a, a service that would affect Jerusalem and affect Judah. See, the Bible teaches that we're not to live under ourselves. We're to live to serve the Lord. Also remember, Solomon is going to build the temple. He's going to build a house for God. Here's the king on the throne. And he's got this great task of following on from the knowledge of God to actually serving him. We could ask ourselves, well, what is our calling in life? Is it not to be co-laborers with the Lord? Is Christ not the master builder? Remember, he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And if he's the master builder, well, we're little builders under him. 
We, we serve under him, and we should be filled with a sense of our calling. And part of our calling is not only a duty and responsibility to minister to family, but a duty and responsibility to help to build up the house of God. Regardless of what else we do in 2020, this ought to be a pressing matter. The start of the year, we take stock. We should really be asking ourselves, who are we serving? Do we serve self or do we serve the Savior? Are we living for self or living for the Savior? Are we busy engaged in his service? Do we dedicate the whole year to him? Are we prepared to serve him in the place where he has put us? Whether it's at home or university or, or in the work or in the community. Is this where the Lord wants us? And we believe that with deep conviction. Then... Come and join us. God is calling you. You have a duty and responsibility to live to serve. Do you love to serve? Do you lay it to heart? Are you loyal to that thought that my calling in life, and this is a pressing matter regardless of what else I do, is to live to serve the Lord, whether at home at the kitchen sink or sitting at the office desk or in the factory floor or on the farm? I lay that to heart. Jesus is called to service. And notice how he was to do it. With a perfect heart. What, what does that mean? Does the word perfect mean sinless perfection? No. There's no such thing in this life. The word perfect there means wholehearted. Or a heart that's fully committed. A, a, a loyal heart. You see, it, it, not a slack heart. Not, not in a light-hearted way. Um, it, 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 it means living with the thought that I'm under the eye and hand of God. So therefore I put the Lord first in my life of all that's going on. I'm putting the Lord at, at the center of my life. I'm serving with a, a loyal heart. And I could labor and try and prove the point this morning and use many, many illustrations in the Bible. When Solomon was told, serve him with a perfect heart, it wasn't a sinless heart. There's no such thing as sinless perfection. Yes, we're to strive after holiness and perfection, but we'll never be sinless in this life. But what it means, wholly committed. Not slack or glib or lighthearted. Our hearts can't be divided. We can't serve two masters. We're under the eye and hand of God. And he knows our heart, as we're going to see in a moment. Is our hearts loyal and true to the Lord? So that we're serving our family with that duty and responsibility. So that we're, we're considering my task is to help to build up the house of God. So I'm going to reach some soul this year for Christ. I'm going to pray for that soul. I'm going to try and win them for the master. See, this is all part and parcel of that. Notice also we're to do it with a willing mind. You see, if uh, our heart serves with a sense of delight and joy, and that service is with a smile, then we'll also serve with a sense of sacrifice. Remember C.T. Studd said, If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. We, we do it willingly. We do it genuinely. 
We do it sincerely, constantly, not, not reluctantly. It's not that nobody's forcing us or putting a gun to our head. It's not that we're being construed to do it. We do it with a deep conviction. We're convinced this is what the Lord wants me to do. This is where the Lord wants me to be. The Lord wants me in carried off and wants my family here. And I'll serve him here with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. Not slothfully or, or, or selfishly. Certainly not sinlessly, but, but I, I, I do it sincerely. Turn over there to the book of Romans. Look at Romans chapter 12. Remember Paul was saying there to the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 12. The first 11 chapters of Romans is all about the mercies of God. God and free sovereign grace. Saving sinners. And this was Paul the practical outworking of that is this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in other in light of those mercies, here's what you're to do, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, the least you can do. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It's really coming to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm yours. Lord, I'm all yours. My body is yours. And I'm giving you all that I have over to you. And if it pleases you, Lord, use me. Remember Isaiah prayed, here am I, Lord. Send me. See, the true believer ought to be prompt to obey the Lord. The true believer will turn away from everything that is unholy and ungodly. Because that true believer's life is ruled by the grace of God. And he wants to serve the Lord, not in his own strength or power. But he does it, as I've said, with a loyal, undivided heart. And he does it with a very willing mind. Genuinely sincere and constant. If you go back to our text, notice what else is involved. There's a call to scrutiny. He says, For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. Think of this. Solomon, know the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For, here's the reason, for the Lord searcheth the hearts. This is not only a call, son, to salvation and a call to service, but this is a call to a life of scrutiny. You're living under the eye of God. Remember, Hagar said, Thou, God, seest me. See, God sees us in church. He sees us in home. He sees us in work. He sees us in recreation. Wasn't this something that blew David's mind? Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Remember this. Life is not a rehearsal. Another year is dawn and we're going to dedicate it individually and congregationally to the Lord. But all that we do and all that we have done is done before the Lord. The Lord sees it all. The Lord knows it all. The Lord hears it all. You think of this. And this frightens me. Every sin, every thought, every imperfection, every backsliding, Every deed, the Lord sees and knows it all. The Lord searcheth the hearts. 
all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. It's not only what we do, but why we do it, what motivates us. And I believe the Lord has a record. Remember, and the books were opened. See, God keeps accounts. God keeps a record. Past deeds, thoughts and words and actions, all recorded for our name. And God keeps that account. God can bring it to the fore when that time is right. When that time is right. That's why the Bible says, so every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. The Lord can name the date and the time and the place. That's why it's important that all our sins are under the blood. That's why I, I keep thinking of that and quoting that, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Because this call to the Christian life is not only a call to know God and to serve him, but it's a call to live under the eye of God. And that can be a tremendous blessing, but it can also be a tremendously scary thing, a challenging thing. Thou, God, seest me. Not only what I do, but why I do it. The very motives of my heart are weighed. I trust this morning that we'll grasp something of that. And if I could live every day as a minister in this church with this thought that God is watching me. Everything I do, think and say, then what a difference that ought to make. What a, an impact that should have on me. Pray for me. Can I tell you lastly, and our time is going, it involves a call to seek. Notice, notice the last thing he says. If thou seek him, he'll be found of thee. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Solomon, if you seek him, he'll be found of thee. Isn't that, isn't that really a call to prayer? A call to supplication? The psalmist said, but I gave myself to prayer. Will we dedicate this year as a year of prayer and supplication to God? How are our family going to be saved if we don't pray for them? And, and then put feet to our prayers to invite them into the house of God, to hear the word of God, to be introduced to the Son of God. There's a promise here. If you seek him, he'll be found of thee. In other words, God hears and answers prayer. And he'll not be a disappointment. He is not a disappointment. And he will not disappoint you. Think of the many wonderful prayers he's already answered for us in 2019. Not only regard the debt, but even regard those that attend this house. There's a promise here. Do you see the promise? Oh, I, I could open it up. We could preach a whole sermon, a whole series of messages in these. And I decided that I wouldn't this year. But notice there's a principle here. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. You see, it's not just how we start that's important. It's how we finish that's important. And the Bible tells us that because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And how many Christians' hearts are waxing cold and they've left off their first love and they've begun to forsake the Lord and turn from him. And it's not exactly what Solomon did at the end of his lives. He was told not to multiply gold, wives and horses. And what did he do? He multiplied gold, wives and horses. And what did his wives do? They turned his heart away from seeking the Lord. It no longer was loyal. It was now divided. And he introduced idolatry into the land of Israel. And, and, and when he died, the kingdom was split in two. God kept his word. See, God always keeps his word. And Solomon knew trouble in his life. Why? Because he failed to seek the Lord.
Here's how best you can serve the Lord and I can serve the Lord in 2020. Remember this call to salvation. Do you know the Lord? Remember this call to service. Are you willing to serve him? Will those three words serve the Lord and blazon itself in your mind this year? Will you do it with a perfect heart and a willing mind? Remember this involves a call to scrutiny. You're going to allow the Lord to search your heart. And remember he understands your every thought. And when you heed this call to seek him. May the Lord help us and give us grace. Lord, as we close our morning worship, having sung this lovely hymn, individually now in the quietness as our heads are bowed, as we stand before thee, we dedicate ourselves afresh to thee. Lord, I dedicate myself to thee. And I pray that you'll take all that there is of me. You'll cleanse me. You'll fill me with the Holy Spirit and you'll use me for thy glory. Let my love for thee increase. Let my will be bent to thine. Let my heart be thy royal throne. Lord, let my eyes look constantly to thee. Let my ears hear thy voice. And Lord, let my mouth be used to speak of the blessed God and the glories of heaven and a relationship with him. Lord, use our hands and feet in thy service. We pray now you'll part us in thy fear and in thy favor. We pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of thyself, the communion of the Holy Spirit will be upon us, both now and evermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you this morning.